Welcome to So Many Bits. I'm your host, Bill Nielsen, and joining me from my palatial studio apartment here in Chicago is Justine Kruger. Justine, how are you? Yitty diddy do! Oh, wibbity wham wham wazzle! <laughs> yes, you had more alliterations than me, so you that, win. <laughs> that's our totally fluent and organic, you know, uh, back and forth that we've been perfecting mm-hmm. in, in these past few months. Mm-hmm. We would talk like that now, except we would be afraid that you wouldn't keep up. Yeah, I mean, this is this is highbrow entertainment and education, so we, we want to make it for you, the listener. Thanks for listening. As a quick reminder, So Many Bits is brought to you in part by the Second Wind Collective. For more quality podcasts like this one, please visit secondwindcollective.com for details. Now, after I just spit a little bit there, uh, maybe I should take a time out from talking. Justine, what have you been playing? Well, I just finished playing this game, Oxenfree, which is, um, which was really great. Um, I liked it for a number of reasons. I, you know, there was, I heard, like, a lot of feedback on it that people said it was, like, uber great. I personally didn't feel entirely enchanted by it, but I would recommend it. Um, some of the things I really liked about it is, one, the art is amazing. It looks like... It looks like some of those old school educational videos, like animated videos that were ma- that are made out of like construction paper, and it's like all the papers moving around. But it's that layered with like tons of like actual graphic design. So it's not like primary colors or anything. It's not little kiddish, but it that's what it looks like, um, which is really intriguing to watch. It's set up so that. Um, the concept of the game is that every year this group of high school students, kind of like a senior get together almost, um, goes out to this island off of like their small town and um, spends a night out there and goes camping. And it's just kind of one of those like unspoken like school traditions that like everyone shows up to you or like whoever shows up to it shows up. And so this you play as this girl Alex who goes out to the island with her um, brand new stepbrother, this guy Jonas, who's the same age, um, and her best friend Ren, and two girls, um, Nona and Clarissa, and you're just navigating your way around this island, and it kind of comes up that there's some supernatural stuff going on. Um, and you eventually find this radio that allows you to unlock the other side, essentially. So you're kind of uh-huh. being, yeah, spooky. Just Truthfully, like... I could not always play it when I was home alone. Oh, no? Because it is a little bit. Oh, okay. It's just, it's not like any, it's not like playing Slender Man, <laughs> you know, where that game is, like, legitimately terrifying. Um, but it is, uh it's eerie, and it's eerie enough that I would get a little bit spooked, but my bar for being spooked isn't very high, <laughs> so it might just be me. But it is—it has like this eerie presence, and so you're—you're—you you're, have this radio that you control um, that will kind of break. I don't know how to describe it, like break into the atmosphere, and like you find the right tuning to like connect shapes, and then it'll like. Um, sometimes takes the soul of people and speaks to you through, like, a different person. And then there's all these time lapses also. All from the radio? Um. Or is that just all It's different? like, it's like the, 
the radio is connected to this supernatural thing that operates the island. Okay, okay. It's a little bit hairy to try to describe. Maybe it's because I didn't have, like, a full understanding of everything that was going on, which I think may have also played into me not being totally swept up into how, like, wonderful people think this game is. Because, I, to me, the concept was really great. Um, I love the setup I, of, like, all these kids on this island. This island's, like, a little bit haunted. You find this radio that also has, like... It's not just, like, fuzz until you find the right station. There's, like, you can tune in to, like, quote-unquote real radio stations. Oh, that's nice And there'll touch. be, like, music playing or, like, ads playing on other things. Um, sometimes just commentary and, like, the people that you're with, which is kind of weird. It's really cool. So it's, like, such a neat detail um, that that's included. And when you're playing as Alex, like, you know, like a lot of RPGs, like, you're given choices of, like, what you can do, um, and it moves really, really rapidly, so as people are talking, like, you'll just kind of get the thought bubbles above you about, like, what you want to say next, but they'll disappear, and then the story will just go on unless you make a choice, so, and it happens quickly, so you're kind of forced to constantly keep it moving, which I also really liked about it. Um, sometimes it was, like, hard to keep up, and I was like, oh, I didn't read them all! <laughs> I didn't even read them all, and they all disappeared! I didn't even make a choice! Um, but it's cool, and then at the end of the game, it shows you, like, what percentile you fit into of, like, what, um, like, you know, 16% of people decided that Alex and Clarissa wouldn't be friends, and you were in that top 16%, and then, like, so, it, which I thought was neat, too. I hadn't seen that before in games. Have you seen something like that? I have. Uh, yeah. Some of this sounds a bit like the Telltale games. Are you, uh, Telltale, they make a bunch of uh, graphic adventure games. They're, they're kind of like Oxenfree, where it's like, you you know, you're people in the world, but you're going around, you're making, like, dialogue choices yeah. as events happen around you, and they happen on a time limit. And, and they, they, too, like, usually they break up the game into chapters, and, like, at the end of each chapter, it'll say, this many people made this choice, and this many people made the other choice. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's a cool bit of social engineering, so you know like exactly how awful a person you are for, uh, <laughs> like, if you make a decision, like, let that person die. Yeah, um. <laughs> well, it's just, you're never making any of, like, that sort of decision, but there was, there was stuff that it gave, like, it gave down breakdowns at the end of it, and it was like, it was like... You know, 20, 27% of people chose for Alex and Ren to not pursue a romantic relationship. And I was like, was that an option? Like, <laughs> I didn't even know that there was chemistry between them. Like, I didn't pick up on that at all. Because she's also, like, a very sarcastic character. And so it's, um, you almost have to get, it's not, like, just straightforward choices. Like, kill this person or not kill this person. Sometimes it's, like, just a mood or an idea or sometimes it's all the idea we're in three different ways it's just how it comes out of our mouth but apparently it, didn't, it doesn't always end the same because it really is based off your choices which I think is kind of makes me want to play through it again which I'd be willing to do because I did like it just to kind of see the differences well I like that that the, the the choices that you make aren't so cut and dry black and white yeah that there's a little bit of shades of gray there and that's not the normal most games are like, are you going to be Jesus? Are you, are you going to be a baby eater? 
And yeah. I, I appreciate Oxen Free. I, I like what it sounds like it's doing here. Yeah. Um, I mean, those kids, they are teenagers, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it makes sense that they'd be sarcastic and have, like, moods and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, you know, she had, so, like, the story goes on, and I don't want to blow details for people, but, like, you find <laughs> out that her brother actually drowned off the coast of the island, Ooh. and also the girl, one of the girls, Clarissa, that they're with, used to be her brother's girlfriend, and so, you know, so there's things like that, but I think where I'm also a little bit reserved to say I loved it is it felt like I never got a full picture of exactly what was going on on the island. I never, you never really get, you feel, I kind of played the whole game feeling like that information was going to have a bigger impact than it actually ended up having on the game. Like, I thought that... I thought this kind of, like, supernatural being and these time lapses was going to, like, somehow put her into, like, a little bit more touch with her brother and kind of maybe lead to, like, informing the social situation a little bit more. But it it really didn't. And maybe that's one of those things that changes depending on the way you played it. I kind of played her as, like, cards close to the chest, um not really looking to, like, dive into new friendships with people. So that may have just been me making those choices. But I th- I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I thought that we, I was going to get a little bit more information on, like, each of, like, the kids' dynamics to each other and their history to the island. And it was just kind of like, here's all of the information. By the way, that's that's all we got. I... I... With a lot of these games, unfortunately, while I do like these games myself, uh, the amount of choice that you have and how it impacts the story isn't always that great. Usually there are, uh, imagine like a diamond, like uh, opportunities and choices uh, spool out and branch in different paths up to like the halfway, of the, point, the halfway point of the game, and then they kind of converge towards an ending or similar endings by the final options you have. Uh, I, I mention this a lot, but there's this game, Mass Effect 3, and at the end of that, like, you've made so many choices about, like, the galaxy and, like, which alien races live or die and mm-hmm. who you want to romance and all that. And then you enter this room, and there are three pathways, like, blue, red, and green, and it's like, pick one, and you determine the fate for the entire universe. And, like, they can... That's the most choice they can offer you, is they can offer you, like, what amounts to three different takes on roughly the same cutscene it just it's hard to make a game with that much uh freedom unfortunately so like i mean if you like the game i would encourage you to play it again it just i mean it might not be an option for you to explore those other relationships more i'm not sure i don't know either you should play it and tell me maybe i should (laughs) maybe i should i do recommend it like i'm okay i don't think those those things aren't weighty enough even though they sound very heavy, they aren't weighty enough to, like, discourage me for recommending the game. It is really cool. Is it I a long it... game? No. No? Okay. That's it. I a took a long favorite. time playing it, but mostly just because I play, and then my boyfriend would leave, and then I'd be like, I'm scared by myself. <laughs> I had four beers, and I'm playing this scary game. I gotta quit before someone breaks in and stabs me. I don't know. The same thing happens with me and my boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, your boy. Yeah, your boyfriend. Is he in here now? Yeah. <laughs> I'm my own best friend. Thank you. <laughs> so 
So when you leave yourself alone, you get scared? Yes. <laughs> you have so much more in common than I thought. <laughs> I know, it's so weird. We should, we should text about it later. Yeah, we should. O- offline. We'll for text sure. about it offline. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's just create a whole blog for everyone to follow. Oh, please. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if that's the case then, mm-hmm. uh, Oxenfree sounds like a recommendation. Yeah. Uh, why don't I talk a little bit then about Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE. All right. Let's hear it. All right. Uh, so I know you are a fan of the Wii U. So this is a Wii U RPG. Mm-hmm. And, okay, there, there's a lot, I think, to get into here. Uh, it's a crossover between these two different franchises. Uh, one is called Shin Megami Tensei, and one is called Fire Emblem. Okay. And in the game, you are Itsuki, who is this young, uh, new agent in a, a modeling agency. And you and your friends are Mirage Masters, which means that when demons show up and attack people and try and steal their performa, you go into the idolosphere and summon your mirage, which is usually a really grim-looking version of a Fire Emblem character, and you fight the demons and you try and save the world. Wow. <laughs> there, there's a yeah, there's a, like a few different uh, things going on there. I'm impressed with your ability to remember all of those names of characters <laughs> and places. They throw out a bunch of very specific, like, terms for their world and their universe, which to an extent I appreciate. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I like that they're just, like, owning that and trying to make their own thing. And I think the game's strong point is its style. Like, uh, it's set in Tokyo, and it's set primarily in Shibuya, which is one of the big fashion districts there, which makes sense since you're part of, like, a modeling agency. And the game incorporates that into stuff like the battle system, where when you go into the battles... It's on a stage. You're in, like, a giant arena with fans all around you. And then when you do, like, attack combos with your other uh, teammates, they're called sessions. And then when you do, uh, sometimes your characters will do, like, special super powerful attacks at random, and those are ad-libs. And so, like, one of, like, the coolest things, in a kind of a corny way, admittedly, but is uh, one of your characters, like, she'll ad-lib and start doing, like, a, a, a concert. And she'll start singing her heart out, and ice magic is pelting all the enemies in the background, and she's, like, totally into the song, but also, like, the ice magic is just, like, destroying all the enemies. I love that. <laughs> I love that. And, and that part is really cool, where they, they really took that part of the, of the background story for the game and made it into, like, the traditional RPG elements, too. The downside to that, though, is that the traditional RPG elements on their own are a little kind of boring, because, like, the game follows a pretty standard plot where it's like, you meet a person, the person gets taken over by an evil force, you have to go into a dungeon, you have to solve a puzzle, it's usually kind of tedious, and then you free the person from their evil, beat a boss, and then re- repeat that. At least, granted, I've played 25 hours, and I'm probably not going to continue playing anymore, I'm kind of bored with the game. And that was the, the process for, like, three iterations in a row, that happened three times in a row. And then when you're going through the dungeons, they're already pretty boring. And then every character has what's called a Carnage Unity. They, again, okay. with like the really weird terms. Uh, basically, they have weapons. The weapons give the characters skills. And the skills are like how you improve your characters and make them better fighters. But you can only carry one weapon at a time. Oh. So when, you're, when you use the weapon, you gain the skills, and then you get the full inheritance when you learn all the skills. At that point, you have to exit the dungeon 
go back to your home base and do the Carnage Unity to get a new weapon for the character. The issue is the, the weapons only have like three to four skills each. So you run them, drive the skills they have on them pretty quickly. And then you have like seven characters. And if you're trying to like balance them all and use them all, then they're all like cycling through their weapons pretty quickly at different times. So you spend so much time jumping in and out of the dungeon, making sure to, that you've got the correct weapons equipped and like the correct skills on them and that they're all able to grow their skills at the same time. And that some are in the main cast and getting experience, and some are in the in the backup unit, and mm -hmm. it's too much to handle, and it's it just becomes pretty boring after a while. Mm. Uh, like there are good points, like uh, with the style, and I think that there is kind of the beginnings of an interesting story where it's like you're trying to figure out the entertainment industry and like who is evil in the entertainment industry and like exploiting all these people for their performa. <laughs> But uh, I ain't going to get there. I ain't going to get to the end of that one. I'm sorry to say. Uh, also, I, I guess I should mention here that this game was the subject of some controversy when it came out because a bunch of stuff got censored. Uh, they took some of the characters who were in high school and they aged them up. Like, Oh, interesting. Because uh, in Japan, uh, the age of consent is much lower. It tends to uh, lower the age of uh, certain mature acts. What is the age of consent in Japan? It is 13. Really? Yes. I didn't realize it was that low. I thought it was going to be like 16. It is 13. And, and then, so like these characters are like, they age them up from like 16 to 18 because they're in high school. And then like they cut out some side quests where you went to like a hot springs. And that didn't really affect my judgment of the game either way. Uh, I know at the time people were kind of mad about it, but it's like, this is fine. I, I don't need to look at, like, n naked or nearly naked 16-year-olds. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm decidedly okay with that. I am super... What an American. I know. <laughs> Just drape me in the flag, have a, a bald eagle fly overhead. <laughs> I'm okay not seeing that. Yeah. I would totally be okay with that, too. It's very... <laughs> wow. But that's, yeah, how, that's how I felt about Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Sharp FE. I thought it was hashtag FE for a long time, because like, it's 2017, or 2016, obviously. But no, it was Sharp FE. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm kind of hoping, because in the way this felt like a watered-down Persona game, Persona is another Japanese RPG series, I'm hoping that the, there's another game coming out called Persona 5 this year, and I'm hoping that'll be a little more up yeah. to speed. At least it wasn't pound a theme. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone... And I think we're still young enough that we know what a pound sign is, but I, I think there are a lot of people who might not know what a pound sign is anymore. Isn't it the same sign? It is the same sign. Yeah, pound. But you don't pound. use a pound sign for anything anymore. I guess you don't. Wow. Or, I, Scratch that. I just aged myself real hard. <laughs> Don't you? Well, because I guess you used to have to use pound when. Well, you use pound in prompts, like phone prompts and stuff. You know, you're right. But you're did right. they did they change it to say hashtag? No. Hit the hashtag sign, and put in your account number. But put in your account number followed by the hashtag sign. Maybe they should though. I don't think they have yet, but maybe they should. I remember when I first like learned, like when I heard, like do that and hit the pound sign. I was like, what's a pound sign? And then I learned it was the number sign. 
I mean, to be fair, when I was when I was a kid, that that was me. I was with you there. And yeah. Then I I just I guess you learn because you have your your phones. We all grown up now. Oh my god. We I don't, know what those mean. We don't have landlines. We only have cell phones. We're so so old. Yeah. We we talked. We're fresh on. now. We're fresh now. We're fresh. <laughs> yeah. Oh good. Are we crescent fresh? Mm-hmm. Excellent. Now, if you Not know what crescent fresh. fresh is, then that makes you old. What's crescent fresh? Maybe I don't know what it is. There's... I thought you just meant the toothpaste. Crescent fresh is uh, this phrase from a show called Syphil and Ollie that was oh, aired no, during okay. the nineties on MTV. Is. Nope. And th- there's a, a sketch where the guy talks about crescent fresh, and they ask him what crescent fresh means, and he he can't really explain. He's like, "Why would you so crest? It's like you're fresh. I mean, no, no, no. Uh, when you're so <laughs> fresh, it's like." You, yeah. I like that a lot. You should check it out. It's, it's pretty you funny. Just, you should just know. Just know that Crescent Fresh is a thing. Just know what it is. Yeah. I'm older than you. Do what I say. <laughs> and with that, I think that brings our section of what we're playing to a close. At this point, Justine will be moving on to Choose Your Fighter. Uh, in this section, we'll be talking about uh, one news article or event or upcoming game that we're looking forward to until one of us is on stand. Sorry to say. You might, because I'm going to go first. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to talk about a currently ongoing lawsuit between ZeniMax and Facebook. Uh, So this requires a bit of setup, uh, so bear with me on this. Uh, So ZeniMax, you might not be familiar with that company, but they are the parent company of Bethesda. And Bethesda, if you are not familiar with them, they make the games Skyrim, Fallout, Fallout, they published Doom last year. They own id Software. id Software made all the Doom games back from the 90s. They're a big company. And, all right, I've got a timeline here. So, in 2012, Palmer Lucky is this kid. He's working for this company called Oculus. And he goes to ZeniMax, where he presents them like a, a VR device. And they, he wants to work up with ZeniMax on improving his VR device. And while he's there... He meets this guy named John Carmack. John Carmack is one of the lead designers from the original Doom back in the 90s. But he's done a bunch of other stuff. He's a big computer engineer. He knows his his biz. And so ZeniMax apparently helps with working on the Oculus. And then in 2012, Oculus launched a Kickstarter for the Oculus Rift, which is one of the VR headsets that's out there now. It's available for sale. In 2013... John Carmack, he left ZeniMax and he went to work at Oculus. And at the time, and some of these are claims, some of this is admitted, Carmack admits that he took data from ZeniMax when he left, including, this part's alleged, a VR tool was the the phrase they used. And so he took this with him when he left the company. He should not have done that. No matter how this trial works out, he shouldn't have done that. Uh, Then in 2014... ZeniMax filed a lawsuit against Oculus because they're like, hey, you stole our technology and you're making a thing based off the stuff we made. Stop it. Also in 2014, Facebook buys Oculus. And then pretty much right after that, ZeniMax sues Facebook for $2 billion. And now in 2017, we're finally going to trial on this lawsuit. So there's, there's a lot going on here still because ZeniMax claims Oculus stole technology from them by hiring Carmack, 
plus other people who, who work for id software and that carmack shared you know confidential information they also claimed that they gave lucky access to carmack and that they gave him their expertise and he was signed to a non-disclosure agreement that he violated as part of like his making of the oculus and including their tech in the oculus so they're suing facebook now they're not suing oculus they're suing facebook because they first off they own oculus now and because they claim that they knowingly bought stolen goods and part of that is because after ZeniMax sued Oculus. Facebook completed the purchase of Oculus two days later. And not just like two business days later, like over a weekend. <laughs> Who do you think is going to win this trial? Oh boy. Uh, so just like, just like you're on Reddit, I'm not a lawyer. But it looks like it's going to be hard to prove that Facebook didn't take, or Facebook isn't somewhat responsible for this. That Oculus didn't take something from ZeniMax, and that Facebook should have done more due diligence to, before they bought Oculus. So, wait. Sure. Were, there's some double negatives in there. Okay, alright. So, like, you think you think that ZeniMax is right. Yes, I think ZeniMax is right. Yeah. that. I mean, I it seems like I agree with you. Although, I wonder, just for the... Maybe you already know, but for um, I wonder what's fa- like what Facebook. It seemed like a very quick sale, like, which to me generally like I don't know what, gen what typically goes into those types of like accumulations of like technology and stuff like that, but I one it makes me wonder if. Facebook, like, just quickly checked a bunch of boxes. Like, I know that they probably, like, jumped ahead, but I wonder if they blatantly knew that it was stolen. Like, that he said, like, oh, I only made this because I took it from these guys. (laughs) You know, if it was, like, that blatant, or if it was, like, you have this paperwork that says you're, like, you know what I mean? Like, almost, like, maybe it was forged. Like, the knowledge that they had about it was almost forged from this other guy. Like, he had ownership, and they just didn't... They chose to put on blinders as opposed to doing their due diligence. Right. And I wonder where that falls, like, in the legal aspect of, like... I mean, it doesn't... You know what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't look good either way. Either they quickly concluded that they had stolen something and bought them anyway, or they quickly concluded they hadn't stolen something, and they probably should have done more research than The weekend. Right, right. Though part of what further complicates this is, like, we're talking about coding, we're talking about, like, dev tools and stuff like this, and how you define who created what in terms of, like, a source code is very tough, I think. And and one of the things that I've read about when reading about the trial is, like, the judge needs to have them stop and explain, like, certain terms for the jury, because, like, what is code? What are shaders? What are, like, I mean, I wouldn't maps? know either, yeah. Right. And, I, I mean, I'm, I don't know exactly... I'm not, I'm not even saying anything bad about the jury. They might be perfectly competent people, just, like, you don't normally deal with this no, stuff. No, I mean, a lot of it, those are technical terms. They're not layman's terms. Um, You know, like, we all use, like, technology every day, but that doesn't mean you know exactly, like, the root of where it comes from or what it takes to get there. I mean, that's just... I think that's typical. That 
that's just not like even a technical thing. I think it would, it varies from industry to industry that those things happen. But I'm just like curious as as to if Facebook wanted it to happen quickly so they could have no so they could claim to have had no reason to to know those things. Does that make sense? Like it does. like I suspect that there's something about this sale that is not legal, entirely legal, so therefore I'm going to make it sure it happens as quickly as possible without asking all the right questions because at the end of the day, like if I have this then I then I will be better off than if I don't have it. Which benefits them and this guy, but not Zenimax, who it was stolen from. But I don't know, I guess I'm just curious to see what, like, the legal ramifications would be to be in that kind of situation. Well, I can tell you this. This will maybe support your point, is that when Mark Zuckerberg was testifying in the trial, he said he had never heard of Zenimax before the lawsuit. So, yeah, that to your point, that that's, I mean, that might be, I could believe that someone below Zuck who is, could not have told him about that 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 could happen i mean he's the whole overseer of facebook right so potentially that that is the case where they didn't feel it was necessary to mention that to him but i think that that i think that that is exactly the point that he looks at something and he was like it'll benefit me to have this i he probably has at least the knowledge to recognize that this one person <laughs> this one person did not there's no way that he did it all by himself there's something like there's no way that he did this all by himself from the period of time he, he left Zenimax right. there must be a history there but instead of asking and I think that people in those like that are dealing with that type of technology or in that kind of like billionaire world where they're like accumulating a lot of like companies and assets they know like is it better to ask the questions or is it better just to plead ignorance? Which, um, frankly, for him, it is probably better to plead ignorance. Like, he didn't know anything about Zenimax, which means he probably didn't know where it came from. But I wonder if, you know, I personally think that that should lead into, like, I wonder if there's any parameters around, like, legally about people being like having to do due diligence on things before they purchase a certain amount of equity of something i mean that will probably be defined to the jury before they have to render a judgment but yeah they can i mean that'll be probably in play is like whether facebook did or did not know and like how much they should have known in mm -hmm. advance and and there are other factors to consider that like palmer lucky uh who <laughs> he has not been having a good like four months not that i feel that bad for him but i mean coming off the this controversy with nimble america we talked about that in an earlier episode but knee deep in this right wing like meme factory and then basically shoved in a locker for four months and then he comes out and they put him on trial and part of the basically the first day he's on trial they just like belittle him because he doesn't have a college degree like hmm. so that that's part of the trial though is like Yes, he does not have a, tr a college degree, but he did design other VR headsets that weren't as sophisticated before he the Oculus came out. So it's like, which of those is more important? Like, that he has a, the traditional educational background? I'm sorry. No, I don't. But let me turn it off, so... I just don't know. 
I just know that in the past there have been times where it has been important that you check that. So. Sorry. No, for like a real important reason though. Um. I used to be able to turn it off so like it would be in like not do not disturb. It's just um all it is is all it is is uh my team talking on group me. Okay. So Lucky is a big factor in this, and then John Carmack is a factor too. Like, if he stole stuff, how how much was stolen? How much of that lives in the Oculus Rift? Yeah. Is there a certain amount? His claim is that he did take stuff, but that none of it is part of the Rift. That it's a, a wholly original thing. It's it's like. But if you use any of that technology in order to create what you finally created, then that is a part, like, there's no way that you would have gotten what you had if you didn't have that. Yeah. It's the way I look at it. That it's like, it's like, you know, if you stole this beer can, (laughs) if you stole this beer can from, I don't know, a supplier, whatever, this can company, you stole this beer can, and then you created something like based on this beer can that you only would have been able to make from owning this beer can like you created like a new tab opener or something by having this beer can and be able to like test different ways to to open it then like you stole something that became a part of the process that is now the final product so therefore you're still liable in my opinion like the distinction here... Does that, does that make sense? It does make sense. It's just, like, code is, you know, kind of a, a language, though. Right. So, like, yes, you can you can steal... Like, to use a different analogy, you can steal a paragraph of, of text. But if you took all the words from that paragraph and scattered them throughout a whole novel you wrote, mm-hmm. you can't say, like, I stole those words. Those are those are words. They're too, they're too uh, elementary. They're too foundational to Good steal. Analogy. So, I mean, I don't know a ton about coding either. I'm not a lawyer and I'm not a coder, so I can't say how true that is, but that's just the other way to look at it. It's like maybe there are some elements that are so basic that you could import them without it being like the theft of property. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like that guy's going to lose hard. (laughs) Well, yeah, Facebook could lose pretty hard and then... Not only could they lose, I mean, that could prevent the sale of further Oculus Rift devices if they figure out that, like, no, this was totally stolen. Like, that would cause them to maybe stop production if you figure out that somebody else made this thing. Well, that would be a bummer. Now I don't want them. Now I want them to win. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, get a Vive. Get a a PlayStation VR. Yeah. Those are probably not stolen, to our knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) Everything was probably stolen from someone. Everything was stolen from God. Oh, God. Oh, God. We stole an apple from the Tree of Knowledge. And that's how we got computers. Yes. (laughs) Just A to B. (laughs) Nothing else happened. (laughs) Uh, So, that is the news event that I wanted to talk about this week. Justine, what was, or what were things that you want to talk about? I like I got so into what you were talking about I forgot I hadn't gone yet. <laughs> um, 
Well, I, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier before we started recording that I'm very excited for the Switch to come out. Um, one of the things that I know surrounding the whole people liking or not liking the Switch is Nintendo saying that they're going to have a pay-to-play type membership such as, like, Xboxes or something, and a lot of people are not against that. I personally... So I know, <laughs> I know one of the things surrounding the or the Nintendo Switch is that Nintendo is going to have like a pay to play membership, like right. Xbox has, and a lot of people are against that. Um, I, for one, am not. I think it's a very reasonable thing for Nintendo to do, especially one like I know it's tradition that they haven't done those types of things, but you look at. You know, the Wii U, by all accounts, was a total failure for a variety of reasons, from, you know, branding to games to, I don't know, the fact that, like, hardly anyone I know knows what it is, and it's, like, (laughs) my favorite thing to play. Um, And everybody, like, whenever I'm like, I have a Wii U, they're like, yeah, I have a Wii too. And I'm like, no, like, a Wii U is, they're like, how is that different? And I'm like, it's so different, but, like, nobody knows. So... There's, like, that whole thing piece of it, but I think that it makes so much sense for Nintendo to kind of get on board what all these other systems are doing and creating, like, a, like, paralleling their branding and focus along other successful models that are working in the same industry. I think I'm... I'm really excited for the Switch. I think I think while people say that there's too few games available so far, I think the games are going to be awesome i think it's going to be really fun i think it's such like a social a social console that you can like take places as opposed to you know a ds or something right but i i think that i feel like a lot of people are just being hesitant because of the failure of the wii u um and or being on the side of not even, like, kind of, like, general public skipping over the Wii U, not knowing it exists, and then sees the Switch, and doesn't see, like, a necessary need for that. But I think it, I think it's going to be awesome. I really am so excited about it. I can't wait. I, I'm excited at its potential. I, I just, yeah, I want, I want to see more evidence that they have learned from the mistakes of previous consoles and have kind of refocused their attention on like something, one thing, just there, there are a lot of different ideas going on with the switch. And to, to be fair, yeah. Uh, one thing would be better if, if the internet service was better, that would be great because yes, it was free before, but you got what you paid for. It wasn't a very good online service. Like mm-hmm. the connections were solid, but it was a pretty bare bones, like uh, eShop. There was I mean, you just got the multiplayer in the games and not much else. I mean, it was rough. Like, everything on the old, like, internet stuff for Nintendo was pretty rough. Like, it was, like, like you said, like, very bare bones, like, basic things or hard to navigate even sometimes. And I think that, you know, choosing to make an investment in that, I think, is really putting them... To me, that says that they're, like, oh we kind of fucked up with that last system. <laughs> Let us get on board and really bring it home. One thing I'm still rooting for is that they'll kind of fix the virtual console because I think that's such a cool idea and just, like, the execution is so 
awkward and expensive. Just expensive. Like, mm-hmm. you can buy Super Mario World on three different Nintendo consoles. That's not fair. That You should be able to import those between the consoles without a cost associated. But all of them are so different. Oh, you mean, like, the one Super Mario World? Yes, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I like, see what you mean, yeah. Yeah, you could buy it for the Wii. You could transfer it to the Wii U, but you could, that, that still costs you money, and then you can get it for the 3DS, too, but it's not the same as the Wii U version. But that's also been, like, a tradition of Nintendo. But I hate that tradition. <laughs> I, I mean, PlayStation 4 has brought in cross-buy, to their games, so now if you like buy a game on the PlayStation 4, it plays on the Vita or vice versa. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that that would be like a almost like a no brainer for our day and age of like how we operate and and those crossovers that we that we play with. But maybe they're just so prepared to blow your mind with new stuff that they're like they're not even gonna want to play that old stuff. We got arms. <laughs> I, I have arms. They don't have arms? Well, I mean, I guess they do have arms. You said we, they've got arms. They've got arms, arms. The game arms. Oh. With the boxy gloves. Oh. And the springs. Oh, yeah. It's really cool. I'm very excited about it. Me too. That, that game looks cool. I'm, I'm into that. Uh, what is there a game you're looking forward to most of all, or do you have any particular... Well, I think Mario looks fantastic. Um... I also, just for being such a Splatoon lover, I'm so excited to see it on the new console as well. Awesome, awesome. I'm looking forward to taking a trip to New Donk City. New Donk City? Yeah, yeah. In, in the Mario Odyssey trailer, they, uh-huh. like, they pass by a sign, and the sign says, New Donk City. <laughs> I did not catch that when I watched it. That's hilarious. That's it, great. It's great. How yeah. cool was it to see Mario bouncing around like taxi cabs? I liked it. Through the city. And his hat's alive. Those people... Is Mario not human, or are the people he encounters not human? What do you think? Ooh, maybe it's a big, long journey to find out. If that was the mystery of the game, is Mario human, that would be... I would be into that. That would be really funny and weird. It would be super weird. I like it. I hope they do that. (laughs) I don't think it's going to happen, but I hope that's where they're going. Nintendo, if you're listening, make that happen. Uh... Miyamoto-san, Watashi wa Mario Odyssey. I've exhausted my Japanese. (laughs) Do you speak Japanese? Two words. (laughs) Those ones? Well, yeah. Well, I guess Watashi wa is the only word. Oh. So, yeah. So, yeah, fluent. Fluent. (laughs) Fluent like a rug. Just like a rug. Yeah. Rugs are super fluent. Oh, my God. You have not seen the rugs that I have. (laughs) It's super fluent. Yeah, they're everywhere. That one by your door is. Well, that one's superfluous. Don't worry about that one. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else to cover with the Switch? Or or how, hey, uh, how are the dungeon rats faring? Oh, the dungeon rats are faring well. We've had a couple of pickles. Some of us have almost died. (laughs) Or maybe we should die. I don't know. Just listen to find out. What? Come on, give me a taste. Give me, give me something here. Um, I'm trying to, like, I'm having a hard time picking out, like, exactly where we are in our story. It's It's been going really well. It's, um, it's super fun to kind of go on this, like, ex- 
like long journey with people we're we're going to be putting out like some background episodes so you can get like more of a sense of our characters um and things but some like the you know the audience can write in suggestions of like rooms and obstacles they want to see us our characters to encounter so you the listener can like log on to the dungeon rats and um submit your own ideas and our dm will work them into our story so that's really fun to see the stuff that people um put out there like want to see more of it's my favorite thing i love it uh, so if i or a listener wants to uh mess with you mm-hmm. uh then where where would we do that we do that on twitter um you can do it on the dungeonrats.com dungeonrats.com yep. okay and like pretty much on the first page there is a place that you can like submit something um you can also find links to listen to the dungeon rats there um, and just, like, read a little bit more about the actors and our backstories and our characters. Awesome. And is there anywhere else you would like people to find you, either electronically or in person? Um, well, you can follow me on Instagram at I Just Threw Up. And, yes, best Instagram. It's still a great name. It's still a great name. Um, and I'm also playing at I.O. usually about once a week with the team, the Poem Highlander. Nice, nice. All right, excellent. Uh, as for us, that brings another episode of So Many Bits to a close. I declare that this edition of Choose Your Fighter has ended in a draw. Wow, come on. I think you I think you won, Bill. You ju- win every time I'm the, here. The judges are really biased against me. They're <laughs> South Korean judges, and this is 1988. Oh, mm-hmm. makes uh-huh. sense. That's a super old reference. That's, like, older than us. I'm just going to roll with it. Uh, you can find us and contact us at, by email at so many bits podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, we're so many bits on there. Follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at so many bits. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate and review or, or download our episodes off of SoundCloud. And last but not least, please check out the rest of the Second Wind Collective for other quality podcasts. Support independent art, the spirit of Dell and Elvis.